Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabat pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded pack has stopped reporting back, or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabat pack known as the Nothing. Join us with Becca playing Linda, a Milkavian anti-tribute, Craig playing Jake, a pander, Jordan playing Abigail, a Ravenous anti-tribute, Monica playing Jenny, a Shimizi, and Slavic playing Charlie, a Bruja anti-tribute, and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter, at twin underscore cities underscore btm or on facebook and discord as twin cities by night we hope you enjoy you guys have these keys to these two rooms would there be any other scenes or anything you'd like to do for the rest of the evening or would you want to fast forward to the next day so it sounds like most of us are still kind of low on blood yeah, i i think it would yeah, I think it would be reasonable that we would want to go hunting before the next day. Would this be a pack endeavor or would this be just a couple of people going hunting? Jake would offer to stay back and prepare the room, you know, with duct tape and stuff. Ooh, so you have materials like in the van, like duct tape? Yeah, I think it's probably something we don't do often, but we've taken trips probably before. And I mean, we're very well aware of what Sun does, so... I also had that uh, guilt-wracked flaw, so I never really ought to have a whole lot of blood in my system. So Jake probably wouldn't want to hunt. Okay. What about you, Abigail? I think Abigail is good for now. There has been much excitement and much triggering of parts of herself that she doesn't really like. So she'll just she'll stay back and help Jake. Okay, let's talk about this. What is your plan to hunt? Let's have a scene between... Linda and Jenny about how they want to hunt, where they're going to hunt. You know, what is their plan? Um, I would think that given the time of night, a lot of people would just be in their rooms. So we don't want to go anywhere within the motel where a lot of them would congregate. We'd probably hang around the parking lot, seeing if people are riding in late at night to get a room. And in my opinion, those would be the ones we'd go for. There's also outside of, you see that there's like this little diner that's kind of like next to this hotel, like a home, a wall, smaller, not a chain, but like a Denny's kind of diner that there's people in. And you also see that there's a little hole in the wall bar that's kind of has like a Paps Blue Ribbon neon sign like in the front there with like this red door, this maroon door. It's in this, like you don't even have windows, you know, there, but it's kind of by here. On the other side of the hotel, motel, there's like a, a pawn shop, but it's not open right now. So it's, you're kind of like on this strip, you know, where you see there's the diner, there's the bar, and you're in the parking lot of this motel, too. So if you like to go into those other two places, that's a possibility also. Linda, what are you thinking? We have to go get something. We want to make it a little bit quick so we can help Jake with the room. It looks like... Going over to the diner, the bar would be a good idea instead of just waiting for someone to pass by. Okay, we'll leave Jake and Abigail behind and you and I, let's go get something to eat. So I take it you're going into the bar, probably that'd be the better place to grab a bite, be more sneaky than 
in a diner, <laughs> go next to mom and dad with their kid, squeezing on the bench. Hey, come here. <laughs> right. Well, and also it's going to be darker in there too, which yeah. I think would probably just feel more natural. For sure. So let's go ahead and we're going to have you roll perception roll, each of you difficulty four, because you're in a lower class hole in the wall bar. So you each roll just a perception roll difficulty four. Not pairing it with anything? Nope. Straight perceptions. The mighty, 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 one of my favorite roles, because I like how it's not easy to feed, you know? (laughs) Two successes. Four successes. You said difficulty four, right? Yeah. You both go into this bar and you are a sight to see because one is dressed all in black. The other one has like a white dress on, but like around the knees, it's kind of muddy and dirty and around the, the hem of it from when she was in the sludge feeding off that gas station attendant. And you both walk in and push this door open and you hear Randy Travis country music playing through this old jukebox. And you see there's this bar that's to the right. And you see that there's like three guys slumped over their drinks. And it's actually a Monday night right now. So you can see they're just kind of like must have gone there after they got off of work. And you see they're kind of just swaying a little bit. And then you see there's two guys who are playing pool. And they look to be in their 30s. They both got beer guts. So one's wearing like suspenders on some chinos and a truck driver hat. Has like a white undershirt underneath it. The other guy has like a plaid shirt with the sleeves rolled up. He's got like a little biker hat, you know, and those like leather hats that bikers used to wear back in the day was all ratted out. He's wearing jeans and he has like a wallet chain. He just did a break on the pool table. As you guys walk in, you see the balls all rolling in, but you notice that they both are looking at you too. There's a second where there's like this kind of connection that you guys feel. And Jenny and Linda, you guys are predators at this moment. You right away, like just walk straight in there and you turn on all social cues. And Jenny, you're actually being pretty successful with the heavier set guy, but you see Linda just goes into this mode. Like you just saw her feed, like literally look like a predator, but now you see her like being all like this weird, like body chemistry, talking to the guy, like gently touching him on his shoulder. You next, you know, you see they're both sitting in this corner booth and you kind of bring the guy with you and you both will fade to black a little bit, but you both are kind of like make out with them a little bit and you both get whatever, I'd say two blood points. I'll let you guys get. Not three at this point, if you guys are comfortable with that. Are you comfortable with that, Jenny? Sounds good to me. And Linda, all right. You're lucky I didn't make you do self-control rolls. If you guys had three blood pool points, it'd be a self-control roll in there. So we'll say that you guys make your way out of the bar and you go back into this hotel room and you see Jake and Abigail are kind of taping up stuff, putting cardboard up, light protecting the room. Is there anything else you guys would like at this moment? How many beds are in these rooms? Two each. Okay. Don't forget that mighty important do not disturb sign. <laughs> yeah. I put those out, make sure that the chains work and everything. Linda will actually make a beeline for the bathrooms to check for the decorative soaps. <laughs> yeah. You see that there's soap. There's none of the seashell ones though. You know, they're like okay. the normal, okay. yeah, normal soap. So how are you guys sleeping in this? And what are you guys going to do? Sleep on the bed, under the bed, sleep in the bathrooms. Like what measures of protection? Like how extreme are you taking this? Jake's probably already like, Unless uh, someone else has an idea, he he's like in the mode for I'm in for the night. And oh, look, they have HBO. Oh, so he's turned on HBO and everything. Yeah, yeah I, get, I get that. Okay, so the TV's on. You all are kind of all in your individual like mindsets. What I'm asking is like when you know that the sun is coming up, what measures are you taking? Like, are you going to like lay in the bed or are you going to like 
lay under the bed? Are you going to lay in the tub with the door closed, like towels? Like what exactly steps are you taking to ensure that like by no happenstance that sunlight hits you all? Well, motels and hotels usually have that thicker cover over the beds. Yeah. So Abigail will claim one of the beds, go under the normal cover, and then go completely under the that extra oh, nice. protection yeah, cover as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got the sheet, the blanket, and the comforter. Yeah. Yes. Just this mound over it. I don't think Jake takes his on life um, as seriously as that. I don't see any light coming in from the street. I'll even sleep on the bed closest to the window sort of thing. He's not too worried about such things. We lock the door. That's going to put the chain up. That's going to keep most things up. And we said, do not disturb. I think that's kind of reflective of the outlook that you both have. One is all about embracing this life, having like this, this, this lifestyle. And then another's kind of suicidal in a weird way. You know, like it has this weird, like, I don't care what happens to me lifestyle. And I think that's a perfect reflection of it right there. What about you, Linda and Jenny? Linda would probably do the same thing as Abigail, just kind of getting under the bed covers, that sort of thing. Jenny would, feeling some sort of obligation, so sort of a duty towards Jake, she'd be in the same bed as him, which of course, the second they entered the motel, she would have made a beeline to be in the same bed as Jake. But when the she feels things winding down and the sun's coming up. She sees Jake being kind of careless. So she'll get un- in the bed under the covers, under the duvet, and then she'll kind of just sigh and force the duvet over Jake's head. So let me ask this. And I don't mean to like make anyone comfortable. Is is this like a is this like a romantic relationship between the two? Or does Jenny just seeing this as that way and is Jake reciprocating it? Or is it more just like a deep bond that you guys have? Like a, a- a, a family bond or or is it maybe it's not known yet it hasn't even been defined at this stage it's still just like this weird drawing that you two have to each other i mean i don't think we really discussed it yet but um i mentioned earlier like you described it in Juarez as you are incredibly in love with multiple people at the same time and he might feel like a romantic attachment to her especially in the fact with uh jenny like almost feels like a not a replacement wife, that's the wrong word, but it has like the same like a second so, chance. Yeah. To make Sa- things it has right. the same vibe, yeah. Yeah, to make things right. I mean, like that's a that's a you know, that you messed it up once and you see someone who had mm-hmm. a second chance, like your wife. So it's almost like a a chance to do it over again, I guess. Right. I'm not sure if we ever done anything like physical um, um besides that, but uh Maybe it's even purer than that. I mean, if it is, it is. You know, if it's not, it's not. Maybe it's it's beyond that. It's more of a soul thing. You know, like you have a, like a, I don't want to put a label on it. You know, I'm not trying to like, yeah, like a clear defined label, but I'm saying like, I just think that's a real powerful scene. Seeing that Jenny was like, went instinctually, went to laid by you and instinctually like watched out for your best interests. Maybe it's even like beyond like any kind of definition because you guys are beyond the mortal coil at this point, you know? So yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. So it's like we did, the Valdery, like basically with Paya, and that's incredibly intimate as well. So it very was. It was a group thing. Yeah. It was very much like a group dynamic. Cause that's the thing about vampire. And like, I'm not trying to make anyone uncomfortable or maybe like force ants answer questions about that type of stuff. But vampires is very much a game or very much like vampires, period, are very much not only are they physical leeches, they're emotional leeches, you know, and they're emotionally inclined 
characters because they 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 feed they use emotions to get what they want they manipulate things to get what they want they're almost like a drug addict they're addicted to vitae and they also well like a lot of drug addicts in the real world have they have a lot of issues that come along with it about being abusive to people taking advantage of people do anything to feed that hunger and god forbid you have two junkies who have similar goals who are connected you see at what links that those two people will go together to get their fix and to survive the condition that they're in there's a very disturbing hbo documentary i can't remember the name of it about heroin addicts and it came out like in 2001 or 2002 and there's this couple they're clean now they're still together actually but they were homeless heroin addicts during this documentary and this documentary was by far one of the most disturbing documentaries i've ever seen because it literally cut nothing out you saw all the horrible things that go on but being an addict and what addicts, both of them, men and women will do to get money for their fix. And that's how I kind of view this almost like a drugstore cowboy kind of thing. Like people who are in desperate situations, trying to find any kind of connection to remember that. So that's why I was asking about that. I don't mean to, you know, we, we can find out where it goes from there. So I think that you really hit it on the head when you just mentioned that Jenny's used to living a life of codependency with her husband, it was more of, not that it was an arranged marriage, but it was kind of like a business thing. The man takes care of the house. There wasn't much love involved. And she sort of lived that loveless marriage and the obligation of having kids, but she was still monetarily dependent on her husband. Now she sees Jake who had the reverse life that she had. And she sees that he's a very caring, very, very deep sort of personality and someone that she can openly care for without being rejected. So she sort of clings to that as well as just the rest of the pack. Like she sees Abigail as a daughter and Linda, you know, like a, like a close friend, like, yeah, kind of like the crazy aunt. And she's so deeply touched by all of them. But with Jake, she has that extra level of connection of that love that she didn't have that partnership that she didn't have. And at the same time, the fact that he requires a little bit extra care due to his overall outlook just really makes her cling to him. Yeah. And plus he's remorseful for what he did to his wife before his embrace and obviously what he did to afterwards. And so like when he said that, he tells you, Oh, you're beautiful the way you are. Like he's genuine when he says that, you know, he, I I look at like, he's genuine. I look at like, he's trying to make amends for bad decisions, what he feels are bad decisions with his previous wife and he looks at you as like a clean slate to somehow make things right which is really i think awesome but like and then you add the valdry on top of that and then you fucking add like sabat pack on top of that and it's just like this weird emotional state for these two vampires and i fucking love it because you really don't like you don't see it. there's no like sexy blood rain dancing in leather it's just this a very wholesome like natural soulful connection i feel all you don't feel when you fall asleep all you are just stop being and then you start being again when your eyes open up and you feel these layers of blankets underneath you. You see the darkness. You don't see any light. Soon you all start pushing these covers down. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. I think uh, Jake will kind of roll over and give uh, Jenny a kiss and say, good morning, sunshine. Jenny would uh, open her eyes and pull the covers off her head and kind of smile at the kiss and then just kind of jab him with her elbow, like saying, we have work to do. Do we have to? It's so nice here. I know, but it's a pretty big night, and I want to make sure Abigail's okay, so we got to get going. Sure. Why don't you go check on the kids, son? I'll wash up. You're going to get vicissituted by He's like, I've already dealt with that shit once. <laughs> From the room next door, it's very clear that Abigail is already awake. 
you all will say you all four are in one of the rooms now. So what's the plan of action? Jenny's feeling very nervous right now. She's got it in her head that this is a pretty big step for the pack to take. So she's enjoying this moment of silence with everybody else around her. But at some point she feels that something has to be said. So she's going to look at Linda and say, are you ready for tonight? And Linda had that a bit of that far off look, but then as soon as she was, as soon as Jenny addressed her, she snaps into focus and yes, this will be a big step for us. There's, there's many things that we'll be uncovering. I imagine. Right. Jenny's going to kind of nod at Linda. She just wanted to make sure that she was in the right headspace. And then she's going to look at Abigail and, hug her with one arm because, you know, that's her little girl and say, are you feeling up to this? Yes, definitely. We can do this. And she's not even going to ask Jay because she knows he's going to kind of be a a downer. So she's going to say, all right, let's go. Uh, I'll drive. Jake, take everything down from the windows. Um, Meet us in the van. Okay. And yeah, basically uh, Jake will take the duct tape and carefully roll it so he could possibly use it again and just shove it into a little bag. And like make the room look normal, and then it's nighttime, so he'll put out the "Yes, clean the sheets uh, service, please" sign on the "Do not disturb" thing. So they service the room because why wouldn't you want your room serviced? But uh, yeah, then he'll go towards the van. So the van is running, and as you step out, Jenny, with the other two, Linda and Abigail. You open the door and you see that there's a fresh crust of snow that's like over the van. It had snowed all day. And you see that it's stopped for a little bit now, but it's really cold. It's really crisp when you walk out there. Like if you were breathing and had moisture and heat in your body, you would see the breath. But it's almost like a slap of reality as you three walk out there and you realize that there's no plume of breath coming out of your mouth and nose. Oh, by the way, everyone blow blood pool point. You see the sidewalk has been shoveled and there's been like sand put on the sidewalk in front of your door. And you see that there's been kind of a shitty plowing job in the parking lot to where like some of the snow is actually on the back of the van. But you're able to get in the van and like turn on the vehicle. And I assume like Abigail's trying to scrape the windshields with the windshield scraper as like Linda's sitting in there just kind of while the van is warming up and you see Jake comes in, slides open the door, throws his bag of stuff in there and gets in his accustomed seat where his guitar is still sitting at as you guys pull out of this motel. You have directions, and I assume you have a map maybe of the Twin Cities that you guys got from that gas station or you got from a book before, back in the days of the road atlases where you had all major city maps on there. And you have the address of this hotel and the hotel name called The Junction Inn. So it takes you about like 10 minutes to drive further south in Minneapolis till you get to this hotel. It's painted a dirty lime green, kind of similar to like the same design that you guys came from, where the doors are kind of facing outwards there. there you see like there's one window for each room and there's different vehicles that you see are there. You see this big sign that's like above the office area where it says junction in. It's like a red outline 
and it has like green neon lettering on there and you see like it kind of matches this disgusting lime green coloring that you can kind of make out now even though it's not snowing but it all has like dirt and suit from like the wind and the snow and rain it looks like it hasn't been painted in forever and when you get to the room number which is room number 10 you see like the soft light of a television going through a little crack in the curtains as you guys pull your van in front of this door. What are you guys doing? What's the plan? So how do we go about this? Do we do we just knock? Well, he's expecting us, right? I guess. I hope so. Are you all going to go up there? I think Abigail will at least go out and then stand there expect waiting for the rest to come out as well unless told to stay put linda will be going she's like yeah i'm ready let's let's figure out what's going on jake will kind of from the back uh, op- reach forward open the door let linda out and then slam it behind him there's so no way to- jenny's gonna let abigail go without her so jenny's gonna turn off the engine and get out Cool. So everyone's going, I take it. Okay. Awesome. So who's knocking on the door? Abigail? I guess that would be me. <laughs> so Abigail, you go and knock on the door. You hear Abigail's like knuckles rap it. Da, 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 da. And there's a moment. And then you hear a voice on the side say, who is it? We were told that you were expecting nothing tonight. What? You see him look through the peephole. You see like the peephole kind of turn like dark, you know, for a second. Then you see like the chain undo. You see the door open a little bit. You see him like an eyeball go through there. And you say, you, you're them, aren't you? I'll flash him a lovely, lovely smile. And he sees your fangs and he's like, closes the door. And you hear like a, the chain get undone. And he opens the door. And you see this figure standing in front of you. He has blue jeans on. The top button's unbuttoned. He looks to be about six foot tall. He doesn't look overweight but he looks like he he's bordering that like fit and unfit line very closely like you see that there's like some muscle but you see there's like a layer of fat like around the stomach he has his shirt off you see he has like dark chest hair like all like going up from his stomach all the way up to his chest he has long greasy black hair and he's kind of balding a little bit on top like it's thinning out and he has like this black beard you notice one of his eyes looks like it's got a bunch of scar tissue on there as you look closer you see along his neck and his chest there looks to be like scar tissue like some of his chest hair is missing off of his right pectoral and when you walk in there you see that he looks at you and he's like come on in here's a southern accent from him as he motions his arm for you all to come in the room and abigail will step into the room i take it everyone's stepping into the room all right awesome you see inside this room, there's a single bed. It looks like it, it hasn't been made in forever. You see the sheets thrown about. You see like the bed covers thrown about. See all across the room, there's beer bottles and Jack Daniel bottles. There's over full cups of cigarette butts and like liquid in there. That looks like you just poured in there to make like a makeshift ashtray in those cheap motel plastic cups. Looks like on one of the tables, there's like a mirror that was taken down that should be on the dresser that's on a circular table. And you see like, it looks like there was like cocaine that was on there, like rails of cocaine that was done. There's a mason jar that's on top of the TV. And there's like a clear liquid in it. And you see that there's a single eyeball that is in that mason jar. I'll need you all to give me perception alertness roll, please. Difficulty six. Would insightful 
be appropriate sure for perception okay so is that i roll another die or if you because i got a 10 if you if you yes if you for every 10 you roll you can re-roll it sometimes you can do like if it's three tens in a row you can just keep re-rolling them you know it's pretty awesome so let me know i think i botched did you botch okay i rolled a one and zero successes yeah you botched no you got a six Oh, yeah. Like you got a six and a one, so it canceled out. Yeah, it canceled out. Okay. I got four successes. Four successes. All right. How about you, Jake? Same with me. Four. Dang. Four. What I got you? one. One. Okay. Linda and Jake, when you all walk in there, you see this figure he's looking at. And you smell in the room. The room smells like smoke and BO. It smells musky. All you can smell is it smells like sex almost. It has that weird semen smell that's like in his room like the windows haven't been opened and it's like just smells disgusting it smells like a lack of cleanliness and you too as you're like looking over the room you hear this whimpering coming from the bathroom it sounds like a grown man who's just kind of you hear it coming from the bathroom and you kind of like look in that direction because you can't see the bathroom. Like you see, basically there's a bed on the right. There's this circular table on the left that has that Coke mirror. There's a dresser on the left that has like a TV and you see straight ahead. And there's like a little sink, but to get in the bathroom, you'd have to like go there and make a right. And you see the figure. He like turns and looks and he looks at you all. And he looks almost like embarrassed for a second. Hold on one second. You see him like turn around and he walks toward around to go into the bathroom where you guys can't quite see. And you just hear, shut the fuck up, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up! I will fuck you, motherfucker! Shut the fuck up! And you just hear a smack, like a moaning from a guy in the room. And then you hear the figure turn around, and he walks out there. And you hear the door closed, the bathroom door closed behind him, and he is walking towards you all. And he's like, "Sorry about that. Sorry about that." And then there's a moment where he's like looking at you all. Then he stops, and you see him look at you, Jenny, and you see his eyes open up for a second, like in reverence. He's like, like he's surprised for a second. And he looks at you and he's like, you have the blood. You have the blood, aren't you? You see him like for a second, he stops and he gets on his knees in front of you. Like he just drops, like plops on his knees in front of you, Jenny. And he's looking up at you with his one eye. You could see his teeth are kind of yellowing. Like he's missing a couple teeth. It's like, you have the blood. I can feel it running through your veins. Like it runs through mine. Touch me. Let me know you're one of me. And you see his forehead goes down to like where your shoes are at, Jenny. And you see his like back quivering a little bit. And you could feel this pull to him. You could feel this instinct. He sings to your blood. You could kind of feel that urge that you feel. You feel there's a moment you look down at him and you see the memories of your embrace and of all your exploration with your body. And you see this figure like like shivering and you can hear him sobbing a little bit as his forehead is touching your shoes. What are you doing, Jenny? Jenny is a little creeped out. Kind of look towards Jake to see what she should do as this man is just kind of groveling at her feet. However, she does feel a strange familiarity towards him, even though they're, you know, not the same race and she's never met him in her life or unlife. So she's kind of looking to Jake for permission to just even touch this seedy looking guy. Jake is kind of like looking at this guy in complete disgust. Everything about him so far, Jake hates. He hates the fact that he's living in filth. He obviously went and just beat someone up um, in his bathroom. And he probably kidnapped them too. And now he's touching his girl's shoes. What the fuck's up with this? Jake's just kind of staring him down, like looking repulsed. Give me a self-control roll, Jake. Difficulty four. 
Okay. <laughs> Thank God you're not Bruja. <laughs> I'll be successful. So I botch. <laughs> you botch. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm so pumped. Abigail and Linda, you see him look at the scene going on and you're looking at the scene going on and you see a moment where Jake's eyes like, like zone in on him and you see Jake's like mouth start to quiver for a little bit. And there's a moment where you see his people start getting more dilated and you see every muscle in his face, his neck starts to like ripple almost like he has electric nodes that were connected that is making everything tense up and you just see him grab he reaches down and he grabs the side of this figure that's like paying revenants like on the side of his neck and his eyes turn red when he does it and you just see him like takes this figure and he like throws him off of jenny's shoes and the figure like goes flying into the dresser knocks the tv over and like falls like on his like almost on his neck you know he's like he's kind of upside down right now and you see there's a moment where Jake's about to like go and jump on him. Do, would you any of you like to do anything before this? All right, go ahead. What, what are you going to do, Abigail? Can I very instinctively uh, use my chemistry to obscure this man from view and just shout, Jake, no. Yeah, I like that. Like make sure like the look like the dresser's there and the TV's there and that there's nothing there. Yeah, see you have to spend a point of willpower. Okay, I can do that. Yes. Okay. So... Jake, I'm going to give you an option here. You don't see him anymore. The, the beast doesn't see him, which means one of two things are going to have to happen. One, you can spend a willpower point, but you have to leave the vicinity of the area. You'll be confused. Or two, the beast is going to rear its head at his pack. What are you going to do? I think uh, Jake is going to be spending a willpower point and just leaving the room. Okay. What happens is basically Jake throws... You guys see this Linda and Jenny. He just like throws this figure. The figure hits crock. You hear like crunching of the of the TV falling over. You see the dresser like rattles. You see his figure slides like onto his shoulder and neck upside down. And he's just sitting there looking up in fear. Linda and Jenny you see Abigail like, no, Jake. And you see like looking for this figure and it's gone. And you see Jake for a second stop. And he looks like totally confused. You see his eyes are bright red. And then slowly he closes his eyes. And you see the sorrowful brown eyes of Jake come back. And he just turns and he walks out the door. And you can see through the window where he goes. And he, I take, are you like standing by the van? Or like, what are you doing at this moment? I think Jake just climbs back into the van and shuts the door and just kind of distracts himself with his guitar. Just sort of a way to refocus himself. So now it's you three, and you see this figure. He, like, starts moving. Abigail, are you going to keep the illusion up that these other two are going to see or are going to get rid of it? The main problem with the illusion is that I also don't see the dude anymore. So as soon as Jake leaves the room, the illusion falls. So you see the figure. He looks like you see all these bottles and cups of, like, dark cigarette, like, liquid, you know, that he was using the ashtrays knocked over, and there's, like, a Jack Daniels bottle, like, spilling out on the carpet. And you see the canister with the eye fell off the tv and it broke on the carpet and you see him just like trying to pick up his eye this eye on the ground he's like looking up and he's like looks scared and and there's a moment where you three look at his eye his eye that he has in his head and the eye that's in his hand and you realize that they're the same color and you see that like his eye that's patched over you're able to like put two and two together best patch over scar tissue over his eye and you realize that this might be his eye. He's kind of holding it. He looks up. He's like, what? Why are you attacking me? I serve the bloodline. I'm of the old blood. My family has served you. And he looks at Jenny as he's talking. Why would you do this to me? 
My family's generations have served you. And I need you three to roll me up. Uh, let's do an intelligence and occult roll, please. I can't do this roll. Okay. <laughs> you can't do it either. Abigail, can you do it, Jenny? I can. Oh, what's the difficulty? For you, I'll have it be difficulty five. Okay. One success. There's a moment where you're like, oh, shit. And you remember and you're teach just throughout the last couple of years. And the term that Singras used with this guy as a revenant, like, you know, he is probably of one of those families that have served your clan for like untold centuries. And you just see the way he's worshiping you. And you feel that call to him as you're looking down at him. And you realize that this person, his blood has been connected to your blood before you were even a cell in your mother's womb. And he just looks up at you. He's like on his knees trying to get back up, you know, and he's just looking at you like in this worshiping way that you've never had anyone look at you like before, maybe except for your children when they were younger and they scraped their knee and they look at you pleading. And he's like, I'm so sorry if I did something. I served the family. I served the blood. Jenny's going to look down at him and just reach very gently with her hands because she doesn't know how much damage Jake could have done. So she very gently reaches down with her open palms and says, it's all right, brother, please stand. And you see him stand for a moment and you can see he looks shaken. You answered my call. They sent you, didn't they? We are here for you. How can we help? You see him like sit down on the bed and he like goes to his like little mini fridge and he opens it. You see him take out a bottle. Are you guys still standing? I assume you're standing looking down at this guy. He's like this pathetic figure and he just like cracks the bottle open the top with like his hand. You just see that, which is weird. Like he just bends the the cap without even having to use a bottle opener. And he takes a swig of the beer and he sets it down on the end table. And he's like, my goddess is dead. She's no longer of this world. I served her. I came here with her. The goddess of veneration, we, they call her. For I'm her descendant. My brother and I are great, great, great grandchild. She was brought over like you into the blood. She served with others like her. Not like us, but like them. And he motions to Linda and Abigail. Different, but the same. I've been here for 10 years with her. 10 years I've been serving her. Here. They say I got her eyes. That's why I took out mine. Because I want to be able to look and still remember her. Until that man threw me. And he looks out at the window as he's cupping this, like, his eyeball in one hand and has the beer in the other. She's part of a, of a pack. Those types are deep in the blood together. Like you three and him. And she like nods outside of the van. I served her, but she didn't speak. You see, she was special. She didn't have to speak. She didn't have to move. She spoke to me and my soul. We didn't have to use words. I could hear in my head. What I did was I'd go out there and I'd sell her. See, people thought they were taking advantage of her. But in reality, she was taking advantage of them. But she's gone one night that came. And they shot me and my brother and they killed him. I barely survived. And they took her. And I felt her for a little bit. I could still feel her, you know, my soul and my blood. And then she stopped being. And that's the day I took this out of my, my head. So I could always remember her. Because they said my eyes looked like hers. They said I had her eyes. And he's just like looking at you, like waiting for you to say something, Jenny. Jenny's looking at him um, and looking at Linda, wondering if he's kind of as special as Linda. 
So she gently nods at him as he tells his tale. And when she sees him calming down a little, she'll say, I'm sorry for what my packmate did to you. We're new in the city. We don't know you. We don't have that confidence in you. So in the future, please just try not to touch me. I want to know how we can help you. We've come a long, long way, all four of us, to be of assistance. Please let us help. Well, the goddess, she spoke to me in my dreams sometimes before she went away. And she told me if anything ever should happen to her, I should call that number that I did. And I did that. I called that number. The only thing I could tell you is I know she worked with others, but they weren't as important to her as I am to her or was to her. I know once in a while, she would tell me my dreams to come and get her. And I would come at night. And I would lift her up out of that bed I had her in. And I would put her into my truck. And I would drive her to this office building, this strip mall of top. And she would just have me lay her down on the sidewalk in front of the doors. And she would tell me in my soul to leave her. And every time I drove away, I'd leave her on that sidewalk. And then she would tell me later in a few days in my dreams to come get her. And she would be on that sidewalk again and I would lift her up. But I knew when I'd drop her off there and lay her on that ground and she would stare up at the stars that there were others like her there that she was going to speak to. That's all I can tell you. All I know now is I'm going back to Georgia. I'm going to catch a bus ticket when this snow stops. I'm over this place. I did my part for the family. Can you give us a location of that office building? Yeah, I can do that. And you see him like, go and he goes pulls out a drawer and you see that there's like a fold up map and he kind of folds on top of this mirror that has like the traces of cocaine on it and he folds it out you see he motions and he circles this location that looks like it could be like maybe like 10 15 miles away from you that's where you find find them that that's where that office was at thank you jenny will take the map hand it to abigail since she's her co-pilot and then look at the man and say, and I take it this isn't where you've spent your time with your goddess? Where were you two from? Where did you stay? She stayed in the trailer that I stayed in there. It's gone now. It's no more. I ain't been back there since the night they took her and they shot me and they killed my brother. Jenny's gonna nod at him slowly. She kind of feels bad for the loss of his eye that he was treasuring. So she's going to say, would you like me to put that back for you? Please do. I please do. And you see him like, he touch me and give me the gift. Put the blood, make it sing inside me. Make me one with you, please. And you see him just like start shaking a little bit as he's looking at you. Okay. What should I have to do to put his eyeball back in his head? I'll just hand wave it. You'll, you'll use vicissitude, but okay. you can like take it from him and gently, if you want to, and like put it back into his eye socket if you would like. Yeah. She'll take it from him, reattach it to his eye and just kind of make sure everything's working in order and then pet his face like she would a child to comfort him. You guys see her take this eye and you, you could feel it. Like when you touch this eye and you put it in your hand, Jenny. You could feel it sing to you almost. You could, it tingles your skin. You could, you, when you touch it, you can feel like the little nerve endings that are exposed on the back of this eyeball, the strands that look like roots of a weed move just slightly. And you like bring it up to your face and you can see 
it looking at you almost, but it's not moving, but you can feel the cells within it electrify your fingertips. And when you turn and get closer to him, it almost feels like a magnet is drawing not only this eye back to him, but your hand. As you gently take your hand and your fingertips touch his eyebrow before the eye even starts to make its way in, you feel your pinky sliding into his eye socket, but you feel the skin molds its way around your hand and becomes one with your hand. Like you could even feel if you chose to pull your hand back, the skin on his face would go with and become one with you. You could see the color of the skin change to your olive color for a little bit around his eyes as you attempted to do that. But then gently the eyeball slides back into his eye. Jake, you're in this van. What's your fear? Let's talk about what you're scared of right now. When you're sitting in this car and you're thinking about everything around you, everything going on, and you're alone, what are you afraid of? Jake's afraid possibly of losing someone he cares about and having it be his fault. As you're sitting, you feel a rush come into you. You feel sweat starting to collect on your temples and your forehead. You can smell the iron in it a little bit, which is some of your vitae. And you realize you're separated from your three sisters or your three family members. And you feel almost like if you were breathing, the air was knocked out of you. And you realize at any moment that you are not there with them, they could die. And you feel your hands start shaking as you're trying to hold on to this guitar. You have this pick in your hand and you try to like strum it. And you feel, you look at your hand and you see your hands shaking with this guitar pick. And you feel your eyes are jetting everywhere. And you start feeling this deep panic within you, knowing that they could die just like everyone else. And we'll leave it for there. Hello. If you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Seas by Night Sorrow, I would highly recommend our Ghoul's Fatal Addiction story, Servitude, which takes place three months before the events of Sorrow and is part of the Twin Seas by Night continuity. 